it's the Creator Spaces Show. Welcome back to the Creator Spaces Show. And today, we're talking about taking an analytics-based approach to Twitter growth with Blake Kemal. This conversation highlights the nuances of learning how to write online and why quantity leads to quality. Let's get right into it. Do you consider yourself a creator? I would have to. I've created multiple things, so <laughs> I guess I would be fine uh, <laughs> if I said I wasn't. So what exactly do you create? A lot of things. Startup companies and content and a bunch of ideas that don't get executed on. There's a wide gamut of different things I've created. Like right now I'm in the process of creating a company called Float. I've created a lot of content over the past six or seven years, a lot. And most of that has not been seen by anybody. And it was really bad content. <laughs> Just figuring out like how to make good stuff now. But I've tried a lot of things and most of the things I would say 99% of what I've created has been a total flop. And that's okay, because I've learned a ton and it's been a fun ride. And so I think probably the thing at least I know you most for is creating content around marketing and Twitter growth. Mm -hmm. uh, is that where you started out or is that just your Twitter for the past year? Yeah, like the past 10 months now that I've been active on Twitter, but that is definitely not the origin story of content creation for me. So I've tried to do Twitter multiple different times. I started out in 2013 and I did not understand the platform at all. And every couple of years I would try to pick it back up and figure it out. And I just could never get it to work for me. I didn't understand what type of content worked and what was helpful. And I had really no clue about that until the past 10 months or so. But I did actually start out creating more on LinkedIn. So that's where I really started honing the craft of writing, especially longer form, because you can go a little bit longer on LinkedIn. Yeah. When I started doing that in like 2015, I tried to be more actionable, but I don't think I was very good at doing that and synthesizing information back then. So that's where I created content and kind of used that as a testing ground for probably three or so years on and off, mostly on, but definitely had lulls there. And then I really, in like August of last year, I started getting back into Twitter. I had 700 followers. I think most of them were probably bots or people that I knew from high school. Not a real audience or community by any means. And I tweet things out and it'd get zero likes, one if I was lucky. And just started building very slowly and tried to focus on one-on-one -on -one connection at that time. And just made a couple friends, tried to help them out, tried to help a small number of people with whatever I could. And then just snowballed from there. So in terms of Twitter growth, that's the approach that I've taken. It's been very methodical, analytics-based. Blake's origin story exemplifies how long it can take to refine your content creation and growth strategies. He reframed his failures into learning opportunities, creating a lot of bad content at first and dedicating a lot of time to his craft in order to improve. Dedication is the key to mastery. There's really no way around it. Now let's take a deep dive into this methodical and analytics-based approach to Twitter growth, shall we? We've talked a little bit about your early trials with LinkedIn, but I'm wondering, could you contrast what you were doing then, or maybe one of the first times you tried out Twitter, to how you're going about building and engaging now? Yeah, it's a lot different. Again, like I mentioned, it's a lot more data-driven now. I've tried to snowball this thing where I just build on topics over and over again that I know work and that I know are helpful to other people. When I was just starting out, it was a lot of guesswork. And I think you do have to do that. You probably have to have periods where you're just guessing what you think other people are gonna like. But I didn't glean any insights from that stuff. 
but now it's a lot different. It's much more data-driven. So I rely heavily on topics that I know are helpful to other people. And they've shown that through consistent engagement over time. And I try to go deeper and deeper, say things in different ways so that other people who may not have understood it when I said it before can understand it now. Yeah. That's the approach that I'm definitely taking that's totally different. Also, another big part of this is my writing's better, <laughs> which back then I've always been a strong writer. The problem is I was one of those kids in high school where I, I took AP class and I was very good at English and I was super good at writing for school. But then it took me a long time to comprehend that writing is not the same as online writing. And I was trying to write like that still. I was trying to be really formulaic, probably too verbose. I didn't really format things very well. It was very essay-like. Yeah. And I've totally shifted from that now where I understand I have to have a great hook and then I'll figure the rest out from there <laughs> instead of just worrying about what's my whole outline to this entire essay. No, that doesn't matter to me as much anymore. Anymore. I'm going to figure out the hook that people care about, the thing that's going to be really helpful and the way that I can say it that gathers attention. And then I'll, I'll just build on it line by line and make sure that it all feeds into each other, that it's coherent. But that's all in the editing process now, whereas before I was just writing, no editing, no chopping it down. Now I'll go crazy line by line and then I'll edit it after the fact and cut it down by 75%. Forget everything you were taught in school. The best way is learning from other people's mistakes and immersing yourself in their content to discover topics that bring engagement and how to say things in different ways to appeal to different audiences. Blake has grown his Twitter profile to 80,000 followers using this method. So the chances of it failing you are negligible. How do you go about monetizing now? I think you mentioned Float. Yeah, so I'm starting to build products that are intertwined with what my audience should care about. And I've got a lot of people in my audience that are really into no code, which means that a lot of them use Notion, like I do. And a lot of people that want to make money online themselves, one way that you can do that is through selling an online course. So a few months ago for Float is a backstory. I was trying to create a course that I already had all my notes in Notion. It was about building a hyper performance landing page, which is something that I've got like tons and tons of videos about. And I, I really already had all the content ready and it was in Notion. I started shopping around these different online course platforms trying to figure out where I was going to host it. But a few things happened. They're really expensive, those platforms. And I was going to give that course away for free. So it didn't really make sense fiscally for me to do that. But also I already had everything in Notion and I would have to copy and paste it back over and learn a whole new platform. And there's a bunch of stuff going into that. So I just decided I was going to find somebody to help me build this out. And when I started at Copy AI in February, I had a coworker that had worked on some unofficial Notion API stuff before. So that was a good fit. And we just partnered up and started building it. And we're going to be launching it soon. But yeah, I mean, like, that's one way to monetize that. I think there's just a lot of overlap. And I don't have to be overly pushy or salesy to get people in there. We have 2000 people sign up for the waitlist. We made about 13,000 before we ever launched. Nice. Uh, because we sold a couple of lifetime deals and that really helped just get us a little cash in the bank to not have to worry about a lot of different things. So that's been cool, but we're going to be launching it to everybody pretty quickly here. Other than that, I'm thinking about doing like cohort-based stuff potentially and thinking about whether it's like super follow. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Monetizing my email list, but I'm not really like growing my Twitter account just to make money off of people. And I know that sounds obvious, but also to like a lot of the marketers out there, you're, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? That's dumb to leave money on the table. But for me, I'm a lot of cool people here. I've met people that have changed the trajectory of my career, and I've been able to land a great job as CMO of Copy AI because of Twitter. So there are a lot of ways to monetize, and it doesn't just have to be through selling something. Technically, me getting a job through Twitter is probably the most lucrative 
monetization that I've done. So there, there's a lot of different ways to end up there. So is the job your main source of revenue now? Yeah, I guess so. I've got Float, I've got some other stuff going on, but this is like the first time where I've truly had multiple streams of income that are viable. This is a new thing for me. Twitter has definitely helped to accelerate that growth there. But yeah, I'd say, you know, copy is number one and then Float. It certainly will be number two pretty quickly here. And then I've got this cohort thing I'm thinking of that maybe that could even do more. So we'll see how things go. Figuring out how to create multiple viable streams of income can eat up a lot of time you spend on creation, so it all depends on your priorities and goals as a creator. Blake was able to get a job through Twitter, and that has given him more room to experiment different monetization methods. Putting pressure on yourself will only lead to you putting pressure on your audience, and nobody wants that. What's your North Star metric for success? How do you know you're on the right path? Really for me, it's all about if I feel like I'm responding to people the best that I can, if I'm being helpful, if people are like shouting me out for being helpful, that's how I measure if I'm providing enough value to the community. In terms of North Star metric monetarily, that doesn't really exist for me. Awesome. So are you just not concerned about that? I was really concerned about that a while ago, but I'm a little bit more in my career now. And it's never been my main motivating factor. I'm much more of, I want to be helpful. And also more than I would like, I do like credit or recognition. The personality tests all say that, so I can't really deny it. So that's more of my makeup. I just want to be known as a person that's helpful. And I do want to be known as somebody that is smart, but that's really where I draw that line because the more that I've implemented that, the more money I've made. The more that I've just given all my knowledge away and not worried about trying to squeeze a buck out of every single transaction or interaction, the more money that I make. So I've just stopped being concerned with that. Right now, it's all just about, am I attracting the right people? Am I giving them helpful information? Am I learning how to write better? and communicate my ideas better and the, the more that I do that the more money that I make so this is one of the best mindset creators can develop today however standing out by giving away information for free is not as easy as it sounds considering the amount of online educational content available today the secret is to find your angle and combine transparency with usefulness opportunities will be unlocked and the money will follow I love it. Now, what's your current goal as a creator? Is it launching Float next or is there something in between? Yeah, Float's next. Honestly, we're probably a week or less away from that being available to everybody. So we're in the final stages there. And then it's going to be taking feedback, fixing bugs, getting ready for a V2 of Float. So that's still going to be nice. really top of mind for me. Obviously, 80 to 90% of my thoughts are at Copy AI because that's where I spend the most time and that's my full-time job. So yeah. honestly, I view my role there as a creator as well. I'm, I'm creating a marketing department from scratch, creating systems for the company and culture from scratch, all the campaigns, all the different things that we're doing to increase revenue there. That's all on me. So that's really exciting. That's where I focus most of my time. The rest of it is like float. And then after a while, I'll get into this cohort stuff. So question for you, do you use Copy AI to help you with your Twitter? This is like the most common question that I get no about doubt. Copy AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I never use Copy AI for my own tweets, but I use it for just about anything else. And I do want to put a disclaimer out there, like AI is not supposed to replace your thinking or do everything for you. It's a supplement to what you're already doing. So if you're not a very good writer, then AI can help you become a good writer pretty quickly. And if you're already a good writer, it just helps you make more good writing. And so that I use it for documentation for Copy AI. I use it for building out landing pages for Float and other things that I'm working on for all kinds of different things. I've tried brainstorming some 
stuff. I, I can you can brainstorm topics in there using different tools. So I've definitely done that. But as for actually writing tweets or any social copy, I have not used it for that purpose. And as always, we wrap it all up by answering the question. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be and when would it be? You get to choose the start. I think it'd all be around writing, honestly. It'd, it'd have two points. It'd probably be like a bolded list with two points and it'd say, here's how you're gonna crush it on Twitter. Point number one, let your quantity lead to quality. So don't worry about having perfect tweets right off the bat. Create an obscene amount of content and just analyze what works and what doesn't and let that be your go-to strategy. Just create as much as you possibly can. And then step two would be forget high school writing and study whether it's like direct response or just general copywriting. Just study how people write online and figure out that format, the way that people talk, words to use, words to avoid, how to format things, how to craft a great hook. That's the information that I would communicate. So if you could summarize that 280 characters for us. Yeah, it would be how to crush it on Twitter. One, quantity leads to quality. Two, learn how to write online.